we'll do the usual uh, jibba-jabba, and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire it off, and then we'll... Uh... We'll get it. Uh, we'll get it going, I guess. <laughs> that's what we'll do. That's not, that's, not, that's not the first time you've said those words. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Exo Squad Goals, Exo Squad Podcast. I am Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Barantino. So this is episode five. Resist! Exclamation point. Season one, that is. So guys, what do you think of this one? Uh, this one rules. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this episode also kicks a lot of ass. Um, it has a scene where six Exo Squad pilots are killed like on screen uh, right away. Like when they launch the E-frames. One dude gets missiled like as he leaves the bay. Then like there's just waves of like Exo Squad like people firing, and then those people getting fired on and blowing up, and it's so good, um, but also dark. <laughs> so you'll you'll remember last episode, Marsh was being led away to be killed, <laughs> right? Yep. Don't want to be late for your own execution. Don't want to be late for my own execution. And then so. <laughs> Meanwhile, the exofleet, half, half the exofleet is attacking, like, the Neo-Sapiens. You know, you're kind of wondering for how Marsh is going to get out of being killed. Well, turns out Nara and Bronski just shoot up, just show up and shoot the guys yeah. <laughs> that are escorting him to jail. They yeah. just straight up shoot them in the head. Yeah, it's not like a very fancy, well-planned, like, heist. It's just like, nope, we shot those dudes. And then JT's like, we'll be criminals, too. And they're like, yeah, but, you know later yeah it's <laughs> like oh good point yeah they're way okay with it are you crazy well we couldn't let them execute you but now you're all mutineers uh, <laughs> hey and these guys can arrest us when they wake up and of course marcus is continuing to just not send out the e-frames for any reason <laughs> there's a but, lot of really good captain marcus in this episode and there's this huge huge operatic space battle to open it which is very cool and Phaeton's like sitting up in his his, his like chair and his spaceship is, I don't know, there's like this these tiny steps that lead up to it. And he's like 200 feet above anybody else. He does, he does have the best like chair that serves, seems to serve no function other than just to be above everybody else. Dude, it is like, it is really funny because it's like, you think in space, especially the Neo-Sapiens are like very logical people. You look at like that throne room and it's freaking, like you said, it's, there's like a couple of consoles on the ground and then like like you said a 200 foot platform that he's just standing on top of like in his e-frame and you're like this does not seem very like logical or well constructed at all with yeah with stairs that do not seem <laughs> yeah there seems so tiny the but, uh are, are, sorry my uh my wi-fi cut out Did, are we talking about uh when uh phaeton runs the uh runs the war from his like uh throne room <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's so sweet. Um, also, I want to give a shout out to, I don't think they've, because they haven't launched the E-frames yet. There's that one lady in the yellow E-frame who's just like sticking it to the Neo-Sapiens. She also rules. She like, she like lands in the hangar bay and there's like pops right up out of her burning E-frame and like just walks away. And they like, uh, they like hose it down too because it's on fire in space. So this is something I didn't realize watching it as a kid. Apparently, and they never like outright say it. But that's so that's the same pilot from the the first 
when they were fighting the pirates remember there's like the b team in the bronski frame so that's the same person that's been like you know going around wrecking shit but she actually becomes kind of an important character in the next episode because without naming her, that's the first real inter- introduction of uh, what's his name? Her name, Alice Noretti. Yeah. Oh, that's Noretti. Yeah. I never, I never got that. Yeah, because I don't say it outright, but you know, when you see her, when she becomes introduced, um, and then you go back and look, it's like, wow, yeah, same everything. That's her. So yeah, that's crazy. Because I never put that together until literally watching this episode as an adult and being like, wait a second. <laughs> It's funny we keep seeing this person. Yeah, because I, because I always, I always thought that scene. Well, not always, since I watched, since I started doing this podcast. Uh, always thought it was weird that like you meet Allison already, and then she's immediately like, you know, something happens. Um, and uh, like, but yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. That's Noretti. Um Yeah, man. So yeah, uh, Marsh gets freed by his squad, who shoots the guys in the head. Winfield shows back up onto the bridge in a wheelchair being led out by a lady neo-sapien. The Resolute suggests you launch all remaining E-frames. Don't give me lessons in tactics, mister! Captain Marcus, you've cost us half our firepower. Now we'll have to get out of this the best we can. They launch the E-frames, Marsh and his crew give him some cover, and then they retreat. <laughs> yeah, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good moment, too, because they don't outright say it, but then it's pretty quickly revealed that that's more or less a suicide mission. That they're like, you know, they're going to go fight the neo fleet and then the Exocarrier is going to take off. And it's like, well, have fun on Earth. What's that idiot Marsh doing? They'll all be killed. He's giving us the chance to save ourselves and the homeworlds. All Exocarriers retreat at full speed. Lieutenant Marsh, what you and your troopers have done won't be forgotten. Someday we'll come back with the fleet and liberate the homeworlds. I do like a lot that Winfield makes Marcus issue the E-frame order. Mm. He's like, he's like, launch the E-frames, and and Marcus is like, but I don't know what to do. And then Winfield makes him pick up the phone and be like, launch the E-frames. It's sweet. Launch all our remaining E-frames now, Captain. Fleet E-frame squads to launch status. Launch when ready. So uh, <laughs> after that, they land on the Earth where the resistance has started. And meanwhile, uh, Phaeton and the mayor of Chicago, now Phaeton City, uh, are engaged in some excellent TV show sycophancy. Like, it is some excellent, like, the, the mayor of Chicago is one of the best toadies in 90s animation. I'm just stating that right now. Like he's such a good toady. The, <laughs> the um, so the, like the the Exo Squad, our team like lands and they meet the Resistance. They meet Shaw Napier, and this happens every time someone sees them. Anytime someone in the Resistance sees somebody from the Exo Squad, they go, "So this is the Exo Fleet." Stay where you are. Do not reach for your weapons. <laughs> so this is the best the Exo Fleet has to offer, Napier. We brought the mighty Exo fleet. All of them who showed up. And it's always like, no, it's six. It's the six of these people that you keep running into. Yeah. And it's always the same six dudes. It's not like, you know, different people every yeah, time. Yeah, never anybody else. And they're just so, I don't know, completely upset to see them. <laughs> they do not trust them. They're like, oh, the only other people with guns on this planet. But uh, you guys can go eat a D. Yeah, I, I do really like in this scene, too, that like, they give a second to remind us that Sean Napier isn't a super great guy yet. 
Because he definitely does not like Marsala, and Marsala is like, you know, whatever, it's cool. Like, I'm not super psyched about it, but whatever. They're both competing for the best eye black. Yeah. Yes! I like, I don't know, what is on Napier's face that, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. I think that it, like, began life as, like, a cam- as, like an idea of, like, camouflage, and, like, at the end, it was just like, yeah, no, he just, like... He wears makeup. Like, <laughs> hey guys, do you see that forehead and chin coming at us? I don't see. I don't see what's in between. Yeah. So like, Phaeton's holding this giant rally in a like a stadium. Do they call it Soldier Field or no? It, it's explicitly Soldier Field. They definitely. I think they call it New Soldier Field, but it's where the bears play. The like, space bears. Space bears. Yeah. Future bears. Neo bears. And the uh, yeah the mares soup the mares turn really easily he, he's like what you guys need a mayor I'm, I'm here for you general shiva i want you to accelerate homeworld occupation put the terrans to work for us it shall be done governor phaeton the mayor tells me chicago is being renamed in your honor general shiva humans can be stubborn You'll need help organizing them. And as mayor of Chicago, oh, <laughs> excuse me, Phaeton City, I can find some cooperative humans to help you keep the others in line. You may tell them they will find the Neo-Sapiens generous to their friends. I, I think he even says, like, I'd be happy to find some very cooperative humans. It's like, whatever you're into, I'm willing to find someone that will do that, like giant monsters. Like... <laughs> So there, so Marsh and the resistance get an idea to kind of disrupt this huge rally by, I don't know, pirating the TV signal, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, Marsala brings a CD to the control room, and they're like, "Yeah, Jock Jams." <laughs> yeah, that's how they, they play Jock Jams. There's, there's a really great Phaeton chant during it though, where they're like, "Fay, Phaeton, Fay, Phaeton, Don." <laughs> Okay, can, can, can I say one thing? So, as, like, a sound guy, that is actually really good. Because it's, like, playing off the idea, like, the in a massive enough crowd, it's not going to be, like, a continuous noise. It's going to be sort of broken up and, you know, out of sync, so to speak. So, I'm, like, I'm sitting there being, like, man, they actually did some really good shit with this, you know? That's just a total nerd aside right there, as if we weren't nerdy enough. Yeah, no. So, anyway, back to the show about robot suits. <laughs> yeah, you nerd. I like the rally for a lot of reasons. One is that it gives us our first taste of like, that the Neo-Sapiens aren't really telling everyone what's going on, that they don't want to openly admit that what the, what's happening is like the conquest of Earth. I think it does a good job of really driving home the fascist thing pretty hard. It's one of the, uh, you know, the crazy things, because it's, you know, it's obviously making reference to the, uh, like, the Nazis with the Nuremberg rallies and all that stuff and Riefenstahl and all those films, even in some of the angles that they show, like the oppressed humans looking up and pointing in sort of awe at Phaeton when he comes out and all this sort of stuff. You know, the whole point of that scene is trying to like bust it up. And I don't know, it's a really cool scene. I have chosen this city to be the capital of Neo-Sapien Earth. Once humanity understands my vision for the future, you will all come to love us. Humans of the whole world, do not believe Neo-Sapien lies. We are not defeated. The shot of Napier's face, like, above Phaeton's, and Phaeton freaking out, is, like, an awesome moment in, in this kind of cinema, right? Because, like, 
Phaeton lives for control. Like he's he really is driven by the need to control things. And someone like Sean Napier, who is like very at, is very difficult to control, drives him crazy. I think setting them up as like the two voices uh, of the home worlds, I think, is a good move and something I like. Um, I should point out, there's also this thing where they're going to start registering people, I think. Yeah, yeah. In this, they're going to start implanting them with some Neo device, and anybody who's not willing to cooperate with that will be executed, or whatever the cartoon version of that yeah, is. Yeah, eliminated. Dest- <laughs> You'll be destroyed. Yeah. Dr- uh, uh, dr- uh, dragged off by two Neo sapiens, I believe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're kind of introduced on TV to this, I think, Amanda honors character who's like a tv personality who's like also collaborating super hard <laughs> with the neos and she's a reporter she's like an entertainment reporter yeah she's like an e she's like an e personality who's like totally sold out um and is also sean napier's ex-wife yeah which is yeah. amazing she's, she's the uh which, which they reveal later she's the kelly and conway of this regime she's <laughs> like She's just spin- she's like really good. I hope you find the audio, Chris. But she like spins everything. We take you now to City Hall, where Mayor Reed will tell us of the latest Neo Sapien plan to restore order to the city. <sighs> I knew you'd sell out, Amanda, but not this bad. Oh like, yeah, the humans are are very happy to be under the rule of Neo Sapien. It's like they're enthusiastically lining up for their new implant chips or something like that. Yeah, they um. I- it's not this episode; it's the next one. But they they show like what the Sarah, what the Sarah Connor the Amanda Connor show Sarah looks Connor. like. Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor. Um, but they show like what the show is like. It's this horrible like e talk show that's also a cover for like they 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 celebrate the anniversary of Phaeton taking control and making things good again. Like and then the weather. <laughs> no, that's kind of amazing. Can I also say too that. In this episode, right after they bust up that uh, that registration plant and they get depressed, um, Bronski makes the observation. It's like, oh, man, they're just marking them for concentration camps. Large, enthusiastic crowds have turned out for the first day of mandatory civil registration. Registration. <laughs> Any jerk can see they're on their way to a concentration camp. Bronski, like, have a little chill, man. Like, it's a kid's cartoon. <laughs> like, don't give it. Don't go too real. <laughs> I, I like that in your world, Bronski's like... He he's just an actor in a cartoon. Yeah. No, <laughs> and he, he's like giving giving away how dark. It is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, man, kids watch this show. Yeah, usually there's a like another name, a code name for it, so it's not so. Yeah, like work but... camps, and he's like, nope, concentration camps. And I'm like, I had to go back. I watched it twice because I was like, did he just drop like the CC word right there? Because that's a little heavy, man. Dropped a double C. Double C. So yeah, and then just to finish the summary, the, the episode ends with the mayor of Chicago getting taken away. Phaeton being stewing because our exosquad guys have come in and, and they've just used a bunch of missiles and murdered a bunch yeah, of Yeah, it's like they're mowing down crowds. The stadium. And then they, they t- then they take off back into space using a, uh, a Neo-Sapien spaceship. Which is all their stuff's purple. All the Neo Sapien stuff is purple. That's that's like their their color. And even their the one like the classic Neo Sapien E frame has like a I swear it has like a pumpkin missile. <laughs> on it, it does. It's it's it, it's an orange ball. Yeah, it's a it's a it's also the missile in some episodes shoots lasers. They get kind of flexible with the interpretation of that thing. <laughs> but uh, they they definitely they definitely don't uh like make everything line up like sometimes. JT Marsh's rockets like reload and sometimes they just don't um, <laughs> like um, no for real and uh, they leave their e-frames for the resistance to use too which is kind of badass like yeah and then the uh, they also 
for the first time you really see what happens when they self-destruct in A-Frame 2, where they blow up they blow up New Soldier Field using like basically two E-frames, which is kind of nuts. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, Phaeton, uh, home of the Phaeton City Bears. <laughs> I wonder how many frames they go through throughout the course of the show because they're not always using the same ones. They get destroyed quite a bit. Yeah, no, and messed up and damaged and everything. Realistic battle damage. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like the ejector seats on E frames appear to never work, <laughs> but uh, people people do seem to make it out on a fairly regular basis. Also, sometimes if you're shooting a rifle and you hit them on the shoulder, the E frame will just blow up. That will also happen sometimes. <laughs> e frames, especially Neo CPD frames, operate on the uh, it's the Wolverine Ninja formula. It's basically the idea that if you have one ninja stalking him, he's the most dangerous thing that's ever happened in the world. You know, it'll take all of his wit, guile, toughness to beat this one ninja, right? But if you have a hundred ninjas, they are just like paper. They will just like die in mounds and be the easiest thing ever. And I feel like Neo CP and E-Frames are like that. One thing I like about this episode in the beginning too is that it does establish uh, Able Squad as just like the baddest dudes in, in the fleet. Because Marsh has this sick move where he like spins the frame on his on his head fires off two rockets and then like whips around and blows up two of those uh frog e-frames the neosapiens have with the claw mm-hmm. and like they're like like jt marsh kills at least a hundred people before attacking phaeton's flagship like minimum yeah and it's crazy to they just charge headlong at the flagship and uh like you said, they just cut a huge swath through this fleet that was just wrecking shit. They also use one of my favorite phrases in like in space militaries, which is like to rally on something. Like when the Borealis is getting is getting shot, and Captain Marcus is like, "Everyone, rally on the Borealis!" And then it still gets blown up anyways. <laughs> Tornado has been destroyed. All ships to defense stations. Main batteries, close support field of fire. Borealis to resolute. Main batteries destroyed. We're taking heavy fire. All ships rally on Borealis. Provide cover and fire. Captain, we've lost the Borealis. No, our exocarriers can't be beaten. They're, they're the most powerful craft in the solar system. It's one of my favorite transitions in the, the show is that the Borealis blows up and then they follow like little pieces of debris that hit the bridge of the uh, Resolute. And that's how we get into like the next scene, which is just totally awesome. I like the space battle stuff in Exosquad better than almost any other show, just because you do get a sense of like how big these engagements are and like exo combat, exo fleet combat is different from E-frame combat. And apparently in, in Captain Marcus's mind better in every single way. <laughs> this is the time when I say something clever. <laughs> If you like. Um, <laughs> no, one, no one's making you. You don't. Uh, um, no, I think you guys have hit on a lot of really great points. Um, I think what's the amount of scale, I think, is interesting. Just how big, how big the Exo fleet is and how big the Neo Sapien fleet must be. And you get like parts of it. Having this rally that football stadium gives you a sense of scale. It really, to me, feels like a big world. No, definitely. And like, like there's a great moment where uh, there's like one of those... I don't know what you call it, like the, the uh, Neo Sapien fighter jet things, right? And one of the exocarriers is firing like basically a, like a capital ship weapon, you know, like a giant. It's, it fires two missiles that are bigger than the fighter craft. Like you said, we have a sense of scale here where their average weapons just dwarf, you know, E-frames and all that stuff. You, you really do get a sense of like these battles being 
massive and the stakes and they do a really good job of making it of making the stakes really high and it's cool too because they're like we're like five episodes in they've already set up a situation where like marsh makes a decision where he can't go back to the fleet like they are stuck on earth uh and luckily they a situation arises where they can immediately escape but like there's a sense when when feels like we're not coming back like we'll come back for you one day not tomorrow they get painted into corners a lot which i think is really cool like it's not just they just go back to the fleet every time and every episode begins back on the you know on the resolute which i think is pretty pretty cool like what you were saying about stakes and consequences right like they <laughs> there's no place to go but to earth where they're going to be hunted basically they literally get the uh Whitfield gives them your sacrifice and what you've done today will never be forgotten speech which that's not a one-way ticket there's a lot yeah there's a lot of people who's like their mission is to like see if they can die quickly <laughs> all right suicide mission and everybody raises their hand you're like we can't all go it's a simbaka school of, <laughs> of tactics we will make our final stand here uh this is just a scouting mission whatever final stand <laughs> <laughs> i gotta say too one of my favorite things in this episode is bronski gets the chance to like shoot phaeton and basically he you know his advisors pull him to safety at the last second and there's a shot of him in their escape craft and he's like i could have got him i could have and he has like the biggest murder boner at that moment he really does two things and it's drink and kill and he loves both of them <laughs> man man i tell you i hated to leave like that i almost had phaeton in my sights we'll be back bronski and we'll keep coming back until the Earth is free again. <laughs> it's a weird task to animate the murder bro. Oh, yeah. Um, one thing, too, in this episode is, th- is this idea that people have kind of started to s- submit a little bit and they need some hope. And like this, you're breaking into the TV studio and broadcasting Napier's bejeweled face. <laughs> uh <laughs> camouflage face like actually like really inspires people and inspires the, the the human crowd watching this to resist and to feel like they're not alone and that's that's a big i think a big part of the end of the episode no big time i mean there's that whole scene where they're trying to save them from uh getting you know registered and no one they're like come on join us in the fight and everyone just stands there and napier even says you know i wrote this down he's like maybe the human race doesn't deserve to survive we lost two good men and what did we accomplish? People are too afraid. Maybe the human race doesn't deserve to survive. They won't fight. Not if they think they can't win. They've got to have some hope. Hope is one thing I'm fresh out of. That's a pretty dire situation, you know? But it yeah, works. right? <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> Everybody's going to be fine. Yeah, but it's, it's cool to see a show that is clearly so military-driven to, like have this kind of idea of like the the people are where the power is and like this is a war of hearts and minds like and and Napier gets that and Winfield gets that um but Phaeton really doesn't and that winds up being like part of his undoing is like he thinks people can be broken and people are not like yeah it's very it's very hard to if your rule is perceived as being illegitimate it's very hard to hold down like even a small population of people they will resist they will fight back and you see this which is i mean it's an amazing idea right you see this all over the world you see it with um in wars and you see it in conflicts all over the world where there's one impressive group of, of people and then there's almost a small minority not that I think people must out 
outnumber the Neo Sapiens, I would imagine, quite a bit. But still, it's it's that they need some sort of ideological thing, and they won't stop fighting. If you're not happy with your rulers, like people will fight back. You know, if, if it's a smaller small group or if it's a big group, people will find a way to resist. Exclamation point. <laughs> Hashtag. You know, it's it's funny because I was. I was watching like a like a review thing on Starship Troopers, like basically, I guess, twenty years on almost. One of the things that is talked about is this idea of you know they present a society where force and violence that is what solves problems, and it's really interesting that you have this cartoon where, like you said, it's like no, it's about hope and inspiring people and giving people a cause and something to believe in rather than just being like you know let's go kill all the neo sapiens well like no amount of oppression no amount of force or you know oppressive rule will stop people from fighting back or protesting well exactly you know there's no level to that there's a really cool thing and i think it extends to everything about like the exo squad world about like violence only extends the cycle of violence right like the exo fleet's attacking the earth because neo sapiens conquered it because the pirates were difficult, which sent the Exo Squad out. Um, because the Neo Sapiens rebelled, and they were put like every cycle of violence is sets the stage for the next one. And we don't see it yet, but like as the show goes on, like one of the things that we'll see is that the people who break that cycle wind up being the most important people. Like even Napier, who starts out as an extremely violent person, as we'll see, winds up seeing like winds up realizing that power doesn't come from firing like a totally sweet grenade uh, from your shoulder, <laughs> which rules, but it comes from being that voice and being someone people believe in. And that's that's one thing Phaeton lacks, like, right, is like, he doesn't get that you can't manage a population without their buy-in, which is ironic because that's exactly what caused him to rebel, him to lead the Neo-Satan Rebellion in the first place. Right on. Seriously, there's a great line too, Marsala, when they're going to break in and broadcast the thing he says napier's like why are you doing this he's like because it can save a lot of lives on both sides like you said it's kind of an interesting thing where you know it's like at the same time he's hoping that neo sapiens might see the world like him as you know having shades of gray and resist you know yeah phaeton's not really interested in leading and he's not really interested in dealing with the multitudes that it are under his control. He's interested in being... Going on talk shows and having Phaeton City. Exo Squad will be back in a moment. Hey everybody, it's Chris here. I just want to pop in and say thanks so much for the amazing reviews we've been getting so far. It means the world to us to know that people other than our families are listening to this and, you know, they have to. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, use the hashtag ExoSquadGoals on Twitter. Email us at ExoSquadGoals at gmail.com. If you have any questions you want to hear answered on the podcast, hit us up. You know, it could be any question like, what do you think Bronski drinks? Um, can Deleon dunk? Anything like that. We'll answer it. But as always, subscribe, rate, review. We come out with a new episode every Saturday. And yeah, with that, back to the show. Now back to Exo Squad. Okay, guys. Well, who would you say are your MVPs for this episode? Um, my MVP, I don't know his name, but he's with the resistance. He's not... He's the guy with the mustache, and he's walking around like a Neo E-frame, and someone goes, where'd you get that E-frame? He goes, I used E-frame <laughs> No, I stole it. That's Peter Tanaka. Yeah, Tanaka, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah, with his, his mustache. <laughs> he's my MVP. Hells yeah. <laughs> Man, am I glad to see you. So, uh, where'd you get that Neo E-frame? I used E-frame a lot. 
We took it, that's where, with no help from you. While you heroes were up there flying around, we were getting slaughtered. You were supposed to protect us. Um, I have a lot of love for the mayor of Chicago, now Phaeton City, um, <laughs> because that guy, that guy's great, because he's he is so ready to sell out humanity. The war has only been on for like a week, and he's like, he's like, I'll be happy to round up anyone. You want anyone rounded up? I'll round them up. Like I'll name names. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, and then at the end. Uh, he gets the fate of all villains uh, in animation, which is being dragged off uh, by two bigger dudes while you beg for mercy to something. You'll need help organizing them. And as mayor of Chicago... Will you remember me? Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Phaeton City? Useless human away. Oh, but Phaeton, I was cooperating. We must talk. Wait. Uh, which is awesome. Like so good. Um, yeah. So he. I don't think he comes back again. But it's he's. he's I think awesome. he might show up in a concentration camp later on. I'm not sure though. Maybe. If he's I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I seem to remember him because pretty soon we see like the collaborator city and I thought he should have there, but no, he definitely, uh, he's definitely in, uh, in a, in a camp. He definitely gets. <laughs> oh man. I think, I think my MVP is the, the one, the only, the Captain Marcus, just because he is so committed to not using E-frames that he brings a whole fleet of exo carriers, which are carriers of exo frames to a battle and deploys literally one maybe one it still seems like that one e-frame like took off and was like i'm just gonna go fight he just has like a nervous breakdown he cannot comprehend that like this super outdated awful plan is not working and then you know winfield big dogs him but uh yeah so he's my mvp for being so true to his character and so shitty nice it's amazing to me how he never gets fired or even reprimanded like, like, well, hey, you do the exact same thing that fucked up the last fight. Uh, but listen, his like annual review must just be a disaster. Like, he's like a surgeon who keeps wanting to cut out the liver, no matter what the surgery is. Yeah, and the, and and the you know Winfield keeps coming in and goes, no, it's a kidney surgery, and he goes, all right, I'll cut out the the, the kidneys, not the liver, <laughs> not the liver. And Winfield even, like, kind of dresses him down. He's like, you've endangered the fleet. You've done all this stuff. And then Marsh and Able Squad, they really save the day. And his great reward is that Marsh and they, all of them go on a suicide mission, get dumped on, like, occupied Earth. And Marcus is just like, well, I'll go ride with the fleet back to the asteroid belt or whatever he's going. And it's like, again, no repercussions at all. You know, so he's my MVP by far. Um, nice. Any, uh, any last closing thoughts? Uh... This episode is really good. Uh, I think we've. I think we're six for six for the last. Ep- the next episode being better than the last one. Yeah, no, I'm loving where it's going so far. I'm, it'll be fun to get into episode six and see where it goes. No, definitely, and it's it's really cool because like we're seeing sort of the show take form. You know, we're out of that sort of playing the stage phase, and now which is basically like, okay, we're into the action, we're into the drama. Well, I love how many characters there are too. You know, you're never just following one person. You know, isn't gonna die. 
you're you're able to get into all these different characters and ideas and themes and i just want to bring up because this vaguely reminded me of it um when they raid the implant center they lose two guys they say and i'm pretty sure one of them might be the bartender from uh because it, it's a dude <laughs> no. with like a giant ponytail and his head's like totally shaved so i'm i really want to believe that napier was like hey buddy i got some more bugles future peterson <laughs> wait 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 don't encamp me yeah no, don't implant me <laughs> oh man you know he wrote he wrote uh dirty dancing to havana nights he wrote a he, he wrote like a play that became it he, he wrote something that was something else yeah and then God turned into it. It wasn't like he, I don't think he just wrote it on No, track. apparently, yeah, like you said, he wrote like this really introspective like play about, I guess, living in Havana during the revolution and all this. And then it got bought and they were like, you know what? Let's make this dirty dancing too. Yeah, exactly. Which is an amazing story. Oh uh, man. Well, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. We come out with a new episode every Saturday. So listen on iTunes, Stitcher, soundcloud i don't know youtube if you have enough money we'll come to your house and do a podcast we 100 will do that we'll absolutely do that <laughs> definitely and uh you know thanks again for the great response so far and uh yeah you know like rate subscribe it helps a lot we want to get that algorithm kicking in and uh try to grow this thing into something fun i mean it's already fun i'm not saying it's not fun i hate these guys but but just for us <laughs> like i'm having fun i don't really know what you <laughs> Hey mom, <laughs> making money is fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll make we'll make T-shirts that will immediately be yes. and will be sued by Universal Studios like yesterday. But yeah, keep on listening. And if you have any questions, hit us up at exosquadgoals@gmail.com. Go to our website exosquadgoals.com or use the hashtag exosquadgoals on Twitter, and we will find you. So for exosquadgoals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hennerty, and I'm Chris Farentino. And here is in this company. No, no sir. sir. That was pretty. That, that was You're pretty close. good. I'm gonna say. Almost, almost on it, guys. <laughs> okay, next episode. Episode six, Target Earth, and it will be out next Saturday. Oosh. Done. Nailed it. Hello and welcome to Sex Face Chippendales. <laughs> the private detective. Private erotic detective. <laughs> the only erotic-based Disney afternoon cartoon, yeah. cartoon podcast. We combine the best character from The Tick with sex. Have you guys watched the uh, the new Tick show? The, like, the Amazon one? I have not seen it. Is it good? Did, did we, have I already brought this up? Because it's fucking sweet. It's so, <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, you guys should watch it. It's really good.